Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. You're listening to Theater in College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me is Taylor Dammel and The Shark. We're brought to you by Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device that you use. Your random college hooper of the week is Donnie McGrath, former guard for the Providence Friars on those Ryan Gomes teams. Hard-pressed to find a more Irish name than Donnie McGrath. I feel like the mid-2000s, was just such a great era for white point guard play, but they couldn't necessarily translate their play to the NBA. That's a rhyme for you, translate play NBA. Uh, just really good college players, right? You think of Drew Neitzel, you think of Dan Dickow, Aaron Devendorf, if I'm sticking with Syracuse. Eric, Jerry Eric Devendorf. Who did I say? You said Aaron De- Devendorf. I said Eric Devendorf. Oh, sounded like an Aaron from my angle over here. Well, we'll sorry, to sorry to, to hop in right there. We'll have to listen to it tomorrow, but sticking with Syracuse, Jerry McNamara, all of our boys. Uh, so I just thought it was a great era for white point guard play who couldn't necessarily get to the NBA. Uh, great be- college basketball players, though. Perhaps a generation inspired by the stylings of one Jason White Chocolate Williams. Uh, but Donnie McGrath, your random college hooper of the week. Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feat is. And make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel and the shark at V underscore shark underscore BB. Let's open the curtains. Ah, ah. 
All right, gentlemen, we are back here in February, and I'm inching closer and closer to ripping off the whole 30 Band-Aid. This upcoming Super Bowl Sunday is when I'm finally done. I'm getting dairy in. I'm getting chips. I'm getting beer. I'm drinking mimosas. I might mix all of it together like a little witch's cauldron, make a hodgepodge, and just drink it like a like a shake of some sort. But the shark has exited his dry January. The Band-Aid has already been ripped off. How have these past couple days been here in February? You're feeling back to normal? I mean, to be clear, it's it's only been a Monday and a Tuesday, so it's not like I'm going out and on a bender or anything like that. I, I I had a roast beef sandwich and I put some cheese on it. You know, I really I really went nuts yesterday. But yeah, you know, I'm looking forward to this weekend going out. Got a big reservation in D.C. Late diplomat, late dip as they saw it. Anybody who's anybody knows what late diplomat's all about. It's not a tourist trap. It's not old Ebbets Grill. It's late diplomat. Got that Friday night. Um, and then, yeah, we're going to have a good weekend. we got the Super Bowl. Going to go out to Old Town Alexandria. Great place to be if you're in the DMV. I've lived in every little pocket of the D.C., greater D.C. area. And I'll tell you, the best neighborhood I've ever lived in is in Old Town Alexandria. Wheelhouse. Let me tell you something. I feel like Old Town is just – if you move to an Old Town – you know you're there. Taylor, you we've lived in Old Town Scottsdale. I, I, was about, I was about to say the same exact thing as we've all have lived in an Old Town before. I currently live in Old Town neighborhood of Chicago, which is fantastic. It's a lot of young professionals. I'm probably out of my age bracket here, but I love it. I mean, if you move to a different area, identify the Old Towns, right, Taylor? Not yeah, I, I mean, what young prof- are we not young professionals anymore? Like, when do you not? No, I'm saying here in young- Chicago. Well, oh, I thought okay. I thought you oh, said out of your yeah, age. I mean, I'm 30 years old. I don't think I don't think I'm I'm young anymore. We're not that young. Splice that in, Sue, if you can. Well, right here. Surely we can't be middle aged professionals at this point, right? Yeah, but we're not entry level guys anymore. Like okay. like Old Town sure. Scottsdale is for your entry level type of work. Like what my one of my favorite terms in Old Town Scottsdale was the what was it the 30,000 30,000 heirs, right? The guys making 30, 35 grand a year. Look at that. And I'm not shaming anyone, but making 30, 35 grand a year. And you see them popping bottles, buying tables at Bottle Blonde. Insanity, really. Yeah, the $30,000 millionaire. Now, let me go ahead and parlay what you're saying into um, a pity party that I'm about to throw for myself right now. The the Super Bowl weekend of the $30,000 millionaire just happens to be Super Bowl weekend in Scottsdale, but not because of the Super Bowl. What is it because of there, Mr. Subramanian? What event yeah. brings Scottsdale together more than anything else? It's the Waste Management Open. It's the Waste Management Phoenix Open. The greatest week of the year to just be an adult, I think. It is uh, just candy land. It is a utopia for drinking, nice weather, uh, good-looking people, nice quality time with your friends until... Can I push in the morning and then and then waking up at an hour later and going back to the Phoenix Open. It is an incredible event. And this year, hold on, hold off your pushback. Push back your pushback for a second. And this year, how much uh, longer do I need to push? It's it obviously back? not happening. Well, if you keep interrupting me, it's going to keep fucking going. That's what yeah. I'm telling you. Okay. Just want to know if I can go cook some dinner by the time I can get back and yeah, push please back. do. Please do. No, but this year it's not happening. Every, you know, obviously, like everything else. Uh, so it's kind of a very melancholy week here in Scottsdale, especially because it was 80 degrees a day. Perfect day to go to the Phoenix Open. All right. What's your pushback just because you're Scrooge and don't like it, things that everybody else loves? Um, so I'll, I'll caveat this. I've never been to the Waste Management Open. Yeah, so, exactly. And, and that, this this argument is like null and void right now. Fair enough. Okay. But I, 
I'm going to ask you to sell it to me a little bit because typically when I enjoy doing things that are outdoors, centered on the outdoors, um, you, you, you're hyping up the drinking atmosphere of it, being in groups of people, beautiful weather. Great. I get that. But shouldn't that be surrounded around something that's enjoyable to watch? I mean, what is there about the golf tournament other than the golfers being more engaged and energetic? Why is that better than me going to say like an outdoor concert or something? I'm not even a concert guy, but I'm just throwing that out as an example or it's, going it's, to a football they have, game. They have concerts available. Yeah, they also the have concerts there. there I think too. Florida Georgia Line performed there one year, which was like incredible. next to the golf course. So how is that any different than like going to yeah. a – so can, to, can the golfers hear – you know, confession by Florida Georgia line. Yes. Well, so, here's, so, so here's the deal. If you don't, it's kind of one of the, what did Lou Holtz say about Notre Dame? Like if you don't, if you're not a fan of it or you've never been, then you'll, you can't get, have it explained to you. Like you you just don't get it. Well, but, this is a terrible explanation. So you got to sell it to me because I'm not understanding what's different. Between so there's this 200, so there's 225,000 people there. Okay. There's, hundreds of bars there's djs playing it at a number of them all different types of mu- music after the golf there is another concert that goes until like midnight or one in the morning and really it's not about can the I hop golf. in quickly can, you, about, go ahead. can the golfers hear the music or are these oh yeah oh yeah ones? no no okay. no it's all happening at the same time like you've right. been to the old town speaking of old town you've been to old town scottsdale right or I any have. of the old towns they move all of those bars to literally onto the holes of the golf course. Okay. So like I'm, all of that shit is going on while they're like, while everybody's yelling. So you're like, you're describing, Ricky. you're describing a concert or a music festival. No, I'm, where I'm there's describing, Sergio, I'm describing Sergio Garcia event. happens to be there. No, but I'm, I'm just saying like, event. you're, you're describing two events that are co like located against one another. And you got no with you know, one uh, another. With one another. I, I don't know. I just I, I don't get the appeal of it. I I, I I trust you guys, your judgment. You've lived there. Um half of the listeners to this program have been there, and it's probably their favorite week of the year, too. I would guess. Fair enough. But I just tell me how it's better than uh Shark. You know, Tennessee versus Alabama and Tuscaloosa or something. You know what I mean? I don't like, think uh, it is. I don't yeah. think it is because you can't tailgate it. The tailgate scene at Tennessee Bama was fantastic. Some of the best mac and cheese that'll knock your socks <laughs> off. But one of one of my favorite sports experiences, and everyone knows this that knows me, I don't give a shit about golf. I don't play it. Don't really watch it. Don't necessarily find the appeal of it. Sue me. But Francesco Molinari, circa 2014, 2015, aced his 16th hole. All right. And beers just went flying like fireworks in the air on the 4th of July. That was an experience and that was worth being there for. And that's the other thing, Shark. It's not just like, if you go to the Waste Management Open, I strongly advise that you don't walk around hole to hole. Or, I mean, maybe if you love a golfer, you can follow them. But the main thing that you got to do is wake up at 4 a.m., rip the Band-Aid off, be an adult the night prior, not go out. But 4 a.m. Saturday morning, I mean, dude, we can't do that anymore. I can't do that anymore. I just went an entire month without drinking. There's no chance in hell I'm raging a night prior and waking up at four, but you go to the 16th hole and you park it there. That's the appeal. That being said though, shark, I would, I would stack it up with a Tennessee Bama in a big time game. That's a fair, that's a fair point. Oh, I think, yeah. Because the thing is that I think you're maybe selling it not short by any means, but it kind of is a tailgate. At, at, at the same time it's like the tailgate and the event are happening at the same time and the fortunate part about this is it literally lasts if you want it to it can last from 7 a.m to like 
one in the morning and you could do it all over again. You know, what I like to do, Sub, is on Saturdays, obviously we go to the 16th hole. But if you go like Friday has become another party day there where you go to one of the other event sites uh, around, uh, you know, the, the course. And that is just as fun, really, like any of the bottle blonde type tents or they built up like 10 of them now. So, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's uh, I've done the bananas just, before. It's yeah, it's all just amazing. There's not a good, there's not a bad way about it. I've heard your points. Can I just tell you what I think you're summarizing to me? And then we can move on to whatever we're doing with the show. I'll tell you, it sounds like you guys in Arizona just never have really had a very good college football experience. And you're hyping up this to get on that level and your competence. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. If I'm selling the waste management open from what you've told me, and as I distill this information, I'd be selling the the juxtaposition aspect of it. You know, you got freaking Molinari over here traditionally in a game that you're not supposed to be hooting and hollering. Then all of a sudden you got the chain smokers coming on and everyone's going nuts throwing beers. I think that's a unique experience. I would sell me on that point next time. In the future, it sounds like you're just describing a tailgate, but the main event is not, you know, Chris Fowler and Kirk Curb Street. It's, you know, some jerk off on you know, TBS. But sounds, hey. this, that sounds like someone who hates everything and has never been to the no, event, I, which I, perfectly I, describes the shark. I put I, I push back. Oh, anyway, soup. Let's do the show. <laughs> no, that's a good pushback. All right, let's dive in though. Uh, college basketball. What exactly happened this past week? First and foremost, uh, COVID related incidents or COVID related topic, I should say players will have to show seven consecutive negative COVID tests before even arriving in Indianapolis for the NCAA tournament. So again, let me reiterate, hammer that home seven consecutive negative COVID tests before anyone can even play uh, or even show up here in Indy. This impacts conference tournaments, in my opinion, like crazy because locks, those that are for sure going into the NCAA tournament field are not going to be playing in their conference tournament, in my opinion, risking getting that COVID and then having to potentially impact their NCAA, uh, their NCAA standing or some of the players. Shark, let me get your first thoughts here on this and how it potentially impacts conference tournaments, how it impacts bid stealers and how it could impact ranking and seeding. I saw the headline. I didn't read the story. I don't get the logic. Why is it seven straight times? Is there some sort of epidemiologist out there that says once you get seven, you're good for two weeks or so? Um, I, I think they should be taking more of a bubble approach, which I, it seems like they're already trying to do by going to Indianapolis. I just don't get the idea behind seven. I mean, doing something seven straight times and being success, successful on it's not easy. I, I can't think of a lot of things I could do seven straight times without not without screwing it up at one point in between. So it's going to fall on the uh, the teams um, and how disciplined they are with respect to the actual following the protocols. I, I think I saw somewhere on one of the other podcasts that deals with college hoops that you know tight knit teams like Baylor are making jokes about how they all broke up with their girlfriends so they don't have to risk getting COVID. I like that. That's a storyline I can run with. So I'm automatically thinking Baylor right here because they're going to have that unity. But what you don't want to happen is someone on the team to catch COVID like a Michigan squad did. And all of a sudden, I mean, it seems like nobody on Michigan actually has, has it. And it's more of a governor thing. But you want to avoid those circumstances where you could screw yourself for what really is a two and a half week run when you boil down what March Madness is. The only thing I can think of as it pertains to the seven straight is you got to win six straight to win the NCAA tournament, right? 64, 32, sweet 16, lead eight, final four in title game. Now, if you're a play-in game, that's seven straight. So that's just my thought process. Not an epidemiologist, just a bracketologist, baby. Write that one down. Taylor, any thoughts on this uh, new COVID rule? (laughs) 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, we know Shark can't do anything seven times straight because in two years he hasn't even showed up to this program seven straight times in a row. So we know this whole yeah, like seven. Did straight I really cut. hurt your feelings that bad about the waste management open? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Jeez. You actually no. did. That is like Taylor's fucking infant child. I will I'm say. sorry. I pushed back. You know, you got to be able to stand up for something. All right. Yeah. I mean, you did. You, I, I can tell you're passionate hey. about it. It's good. I'm happy for you. Hey. You in sold week, it to me well. In a week that the Packers should be playing in the Super Bowl, I might be equally as disappointed about the, the Phoenix Open not happening. Anyway, that's a whole other topic. The thing I don't understand about this is I think about just the planning of the NCAA tournament in general is like what what dates are we trying to get this thing done by is there like a, a pressing issue of playing it one week later into april why don't they just fly everybody in test everybody for five days and say okay cool we're all good we're in the bubble i don't understand why we're trying like are they trying to get it in you know the only real sporting events happening in april is the masters and that's the second week but even the final four happens saturday and monday so that doesn't even necessarily coincide with the final round of that if you were looking for like a competition uh to your to your for for your tv rating so i don't understand why it seems like they're just trying to pigeonhole this into like the certain dates it is or it happens every single year like who cares there's nothing about this year that's normal so if we play the national championship game on april 18th like why does it fucking matter i'm not sure but i can guarantee you there is going to be one significant player that uh, maybe not have COVID and knock on wood. I hope nobody gets it, obviously. But there is going to be a team that is going to be impacted by this. I can almost guarantee it. Uh, and this is going to impact, like I said, other teams that may be on the outside looking in right now, bubble teams. So I see a lot of people, analysts, Lafonso Ellis last night or two nights ago, excuse me, was talking about Duke and their their tourney chances after losing to a 5-9 and nine Miami team. Yeah, on the outside looking in right now, if you look at the team and if you look at their resume, it's not a tournament team. But whoever is clearly ahead or whoever is going to win the regular season ACC title, why would you play in the ACC conference tournament? Uh, you know, you look at a team like Michigan State who stinks right now, but whoever's going to win the Big Ten, why would you play if you're a lock? Why would you play in the Big Ten conference tournament? These teams like Duke, like Michigan State, like Carolina, uh, Kentucky even, fuck, even Kentucky who's been so trash, if they can get it together for like three to four straight games in the SEC tournament, can get that automatic qualifier. Remember, the Ivy League also isn't sending a team. There are open spots and so much opportunity now for not just bubble teams, guys, like teams that are just on the complete outside looking in if they can string together some games. And you might say to yourself, well, what's the teams could do that last year and years previously. Yeah, but they had to go through the upper echelon best teams of the conference. Now, I genuinely don't think we're going to be seeing locks play in their conference tournament because what is the upside really yeah no i i completely am with you it's going to be kind of like a a lot of fake bids let's call it you know like let's now let's a team like lsu maybe right now would be a perfect example right where there's probably three teams ahead of them in in the sec that wouldn't play but lsu is good enough to win that conference tournament even without those teams so then Though you, you get rid of the best teams in that conference, LSU goes and wins it, and maybe they get a higher seed than is anticipated, whereas if those other three teams would have played, they may not have even been in the tournament in the first place. Um, so I, I think we're going to see a lot of that. I also think for – I know for a fact – well, not for a fact, but what I think will become a fact is there's going to be one team that doesn't play in their conference tournament because they think that they're a lock, and then they don't make the tournament. 
And that will be extremely interesting to see because I, I would almost guarantee there's going to be one of those teams where one all of a sudden like six of these fake bid teams like win their conference tournament and they're like, ah, should Arkansas have played in the tournament? Probably because they're out. It's, I think something like that's going to happen. I don't know but, if I'd agree with that. I'm thinking like the top tier teams, like a Baylor, Gonzaga, those guys are going to be withdrawn. Go ahead, Shark. I don't know. I mean, basketball is a weird sport. These aren't professionals. So you got to factor in the fact that, they, you know, they – they can get cold. Basketball is something that is a very streaky game. Um, you got to have your legs under you for you to not be playing for a week, which is what this would be prior to the tournament. That can draw back on you. We've seen some teams struggle out of the gate after their COVID pause. Didn't Michigan State score like 30 points last week in their game against uh, um, Rutgers, I think it was. I, I think they had a brief COVID pause, which led to that. So I would be cautious of intentionally withdrawing from the tournament and to speak on one of the points i i think it if you're a mid-level team in one of your power five conferences i think winning the conference tournament in a year where it's an otherwise kind of a fluky year is a good good move to go get coaches are going to want to do that for their contracts um the the notoriety of your program it's always a good thing to have i go back to you know i'm a tennessee guy i go back to the fact that we never when we had grant williams and admiral schofield and those good teams, we were ranked number one at one point. We never won the SEC tournament. I would have loved to win the SEC tournament. Really, the only thing that came out of that run was we tied for the regular season SEC tournament once and we made the Sweet 16. So it really wasn't much you could get out of it. If I was in 10 years to say, you know, we won in 2020, nobody's going to put 2021, nobody's going to push back and say that was the COVID year. You know, you still hang banners. So I would go, I would go for it if I was one of those, these kind of middle of the pack teams that are never going to win. The Oklahomas, um, you know, the the random schools that Virginia Tech, go get it, man. Like if no one else is going to try, go win one. I'm good with the Virginia Techs. I don't. I mean, the Tennessees and 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 uh, who's the other Oklahoma? The Tennessees and Oklahomas are very interesting to me because they're locks. They're obviously going to the tournament, but they're not on the one line. I think I'm talking about pretty much four teams that are whoever's on the one line, right? Gonzaga's going to be there. Baylor's going to be there. I would say Nova the only, is probably going to be there too. I would say the only team that should not play is Gonzaga. That's fair. That's yeah, the only yeah. one that doesn't make sense because they don't they don't gain anything by winning their tournament anyway. Exactly. I mean, gonna, yeah. They could right. stop playing today. They're going to be the number one. Well, and that in theory that applies to Gonzaga every single year. That you know, winning their conference tournament means but there's a, they're, they're so much better this year. I think. Oh yeah, no, yeah, I, yeah. I no, I'm with you. I'm with. I'm just saying that. It, actually, if you look back at it, you could probably say in like 95 percent of the years, Gonzaga doesn't need to play in their conference yeah, tournament. Absolutely. But there, there is an interesting point to bring up when we talk about coaches' contracts. It'll be very interesting to see which coaches that want to play that have a like two hundred fifty thousand dollar bonus for winning your conference tournament. Uh, or like being a top four seed or things of that nature. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And now, so here's, let me just throw one other chaotic what if, since we're on that train right now. Could you imagine a place or a situation where a team like an Arkansas or an LSU, just as we brought them up, wins the first two rounds of their tournament and goes home? Well, why would we they need go? we needed to like hey we needed two wins in the tournament to get oh in. and then they just withdraw and then they, and then they just bail. Uh, I don't think that would happen. I don't think that's, so. But that's interesting though. I, right. Okay, I see. I can't. You know what's so crazy? It's like still fuzzy to me. Like if you had proposed that last year, I would have been like, "What the fuck are you talking right, about, right. Taylor?" Now I I still said, "What are you talking about?" It took me a yeah. second. Uh, I'm but still thinking. 
Oh, there's no way. Yeah. Like, what are you no. going to stay there 24 well, more hours and you're going to catch COVID in the it, extra well, one you, last you game? Think yeah, I mean, no you never way. know. Right. That's what I'm saying. It, it, there's nothing that's concrete this year by any means. I'm not saying it's going to happen. It would be completely preposterous. But like, there's a there's a better than 0% chance it happens, right? Like, Even if it's just 0.00001% chance. Well, and, and it's just all these different variables. We saw the chiefs, right? They just brought in their barber and he has COVID. I mean, I'm not saying that's going to impact any of the players, but you it's, it's impossible to contain almost. So I think I'm just most excited for teams like these blue bloods. Cause this year, everyone's saying the blue bloods stink and they do Duke's bad. Carolina's bad. Michigan state, not very good. Kansas is kind of underwhelming too. They're going to make the tournament. Kentucky. Kentucky's awful, right? I, I cannot wait to see one of those teams go in and win their conference tournament because they don't have to go up against a Tennessee potentially because they don't have to go up against a Baylor potentially. Uh, it's going to be very, very interesting. Can you imagine you how, in, how insufferable like Duke fans will be if they, if they win their conference tournament after like the top three teams in the ACC bailout. And then that I, I, I do not, I am not excited. You are excited about it. I am not excited about that at all. Oh, I'm very excited. I got to live vicariously through some other teams. Let's move on. One of the teams we mentioned was Oklahoma. What a past couple of weeks there for the Sooners. They've rattled off wins against Kansas, Texas, and Alabama. All top 10 victories on Monday night. They did fall in Lubbock, but they hung with them. And Shark, you and I were talking about it. It's all about the stamina. Sooner stamina. Uh, and they probably should have won, to be honest with you, with Mac McClung playing as poorly as he did. Worst game of McClung's maybe career. He's never going to miss every single field goal he takes again. Uh, but the thing I love about this Sooner team is that it does remind me a little bit of their Final Four team with Buddy Heald. Not necessarily the last top 10 team they had with Trey Young, but the Buddy Heald team. And I'll dive into some comparisons here in a little bit. But Shark, I want to get your thoughts on the Sooners as they are compl- like they're the hottest team in college basketball, you could argue, over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, they proved me wrong. The win on Saturday against Alabama was an impressive one. And just because they were able to do it without Austin Reeves and their other guard, Williams, I forget his first name. But Reeves, I mean, kind of a little bit of a Marshall Henderson type guy right there. Not just because he's white, but similar vibes right there. But Oklahoma, they're pretty tough. I mean, I'm not... Lenardi's got him as like a five seed in the in the tournament right now. I think that's a little much. Um, but I, I mean, Sue, you mentioned that they. You think it's low or you think it's too high? I, th- I think that's too high. Yeah, I think that's too high. I, I think they're going to come back nine right now. Okay. Yeah, but I. Are they ranked number nine? I didn't realize that. Well, they're, they're going to fall after this tech loss, but not very. They were ranked nine coming into this. Dude, they, I mean, they, they won three straight top 10 games. Yeah. You were saying that's endurance. I mean, they play in a good conference. I mean, they just happen to play all the good teams at once. So I, I lost all credibility by pushing back on their five ranking now that they're ranked number nine. So I take that back. Taylor, I punch it to you. <laughs> so, you know, Oklahoma and actually the team they beat Alabama, which was probably the other hottest team in college basketball at the time. Um, I'm having a trouble this season with teams like Oklahoma and Alabama because I think in a normal year, you have a good sense of how many losses and how many wins a good team has at this point. But because there's such a discrepancy between how many games each team has played, there's not a normal amount of like at this point, a top 10 team should probably be something like 14 and two or 15 and three or something like that. But because there's such a discrepancy between the number of games, it's hard to figure out. So like Oklahoma right now, it's a good example. They are, uh, or 
they're what 11 and five now after yesterday's loss. So that puts them at 22 and 10. If you extrapolate that out to normal, like 32 game season. Well, that's usually not the record of a top 10 team. It's usually the record of a top 25 team, but not a top 10 team. So I'm having a tough time with those middle teams, those Ohio States, those Alabamas, the Illinois of the world, uh, because their records aren't necessarily a good indicator of how good they are, like maybe a normal year would be. Um, I do think Oklahoma, going back to them, uh, you know, obviously you can't expect to beat other top 15 teams on the road over and over and over again. So I don't give the, you know, I don't think a lot about their loss to Texas Tech. I do think a lot about their win uh, against Alabama because that's another team that they're going to, that's kind of a tournament level or a sweet 16 level game coming up this year. And, you know, they essentially went one and one over their last two sweet 16 level games. Uh, I think any team really would take that uh, at, at this point in the season because you're, that me, that's showing that you can pretty much hang with anybody. It's a very good point. And I, I, I like that you brought up uh, the scheduling because that's also true. And I, I feel like we've lost that a little bit. And I'm also glad that you brought up a sweet 16 type game. If you were watching that Bama Oklahoma game, if you were watching the Bama Texas tech game, you know, when you can just see possessions, certain possessions where you're like, fuck, this intensity is more than just a February regular season game. This is a round of 32 dogfight. This is a sweet 16 matchup right now. That's kind of how I felt with Oklahoma playing, but uh, you know, right now they are one of the hottest teams in the country. And I think we're selling, you guys might be selling them a little short because the stamina thing that I want to touch on is that, yeah, they might have some, a similar schedule to Texas tech. I'm not saying that they're better than Texas tech. I think tech is better. They're more talented, but after essentially going from an unranked team all the way to the top 10, you're going to in such a short period of time that's going to take a toll on you uh but what i like about this team like i had mentioned is that they remind me of the final four team here are some comps and check me on any of these davion Harmon is probably their alpha that was buddy healed he's not as good as buddy healed he's not as good a shooter clearly as buddy healed but he's their leader their alpha brady manic he's starting to find his stroke and that was the other thing with oklahoma they made this run with manic kind of sucking and by the way, he's a candidate for the Van Wilder house. He was on the same team as Trey Young. Uh, but Brady Manick wasn't very good, and now he's starting to find his stroke. Reminds me a little bit of Ryan Spangler. Uh, gritty, white guys, all the adjectives you want to throw at him. He does need to get his, uh, tougher, though, because he's not on Spangler's level. Spangler was a badass. Austin Reeves, you had mentioned, could be there. Isaiah Cousins. Uh, and then Elijah Harkless, tough as nails. They're not going to make the Final Four, but – there are shades of that final four team uh, just a little bit. And they have a great coach in Long Kruger. Yeah. You know, I don't know about great coach. I mean, I think we've defined him as like pretty good. He, when we did our, when we did our top 50, he was the definition of pretty good Coached pretty much every team that was ranked between 20 and 24 at some point in his career, which is where I think Oklahoma is going to ultimately end up. I think they're going to probably be like a six seed. Even when I look at the Ken Palm stuff, they're not that, they're not that good. I, you, you referenced their top 10 wins. Well, one of them was against Kansas. So that's no longer a top 10 win. Um, they just lost to Texas Tech. That was a closer game. Alabama's most likely going to drop out, or if they have not already dropped out, they will by the end of the year. They're not going to be a top 10 team. So I think we're hyping them a little bit too much. I'm selling Oklahoma if I have the opportunity um, just because of what, what, what I'm looking at. And they're certainly not that 2016 Oklahoma team that went to the Final Four that was consistently ranked within the top five. I think they were a two seed. Buddy Heald was one of the best players in the country. I think your comparison is absolutely preposterous. 
I, 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 it was a bit of a stretch. I will say it was a bit of a stretch. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure I'm I'm vibing with that one either. I said, they're not going to the final four, but some of the players remind me of some of those other players. Do they wear, do they wear the same uniform or something? Is that the only thing that ties it? The two teams? Well, no, they also oh, run shooting path too. So, oh yeah, the coaches, the coach is the same too. Yeah, that's good. A lot of comparisons there, father. You know, there's Staying a couple, the same conference. Yeah, there's a couple teams in here. Uh, not to uh, beat my last uh, point or beat a dead horse on my last point here, but uh, there's a number of teams that keep uh, like seemingly going on these runs, getting in the top twenty-five, top fifteen, top ten, and then instantly losing. This last week, we have Florida State, Alabama, and Oklahoma, all and Virginia, all as examples of that. And uh, I, I don't know if there's anything to that. I mean, I know that happens every year, but there seems to be a lot of that. I, I bet Purdue is going to be the next team that that happens to as well because they stuck into the top 25 this week. Um, I'm sure it has a lot to do with just COVID and those strange you know, schedules that people are playing in right now. But it, it is a little tough to get a grasp on teams like that where everything looks like, like, you know, I'm a, I, I, Florida State's one of my teams this year, and I just can't grasp why they look so good at times and why they look and then lose to, like, Georgia Tech. I can't, I, I can't put a finger on why. Or Wisconsin is another good one. Wisconsin's average roster age is older than the average starters on the fucking Chicago Bulls, and yet they lose all of these games that are, just it should be non-losable games i guess would be the way to put it like how do you lose to penn state when everybody on your team's 25 fucking years old and i guess i have an exaggeration they have two starters who are 24 i there's just a there's just a number of teams i can't get a grasp of this year no matter how much i watch them or how much i pay attention to what's going on and i i feel like i, I guess it could be a COVID situation but um going back to oklahoma oklahoma is kind of like that too they look so good at times and then and then they go like six minute stretches like they did against Texas tech, like without scoring. Well, I think we got to give tech credit as well. If they play their balls off defensively and Chris Beard has those guys playing incredible basketball right now. So Oklahoma is going to be very interesting to, to watch moving forward, see how they, if they're able to uh, continue this hot streak, let's talk Duke UNC greatest rivalry in sports fellas. I say this all the time, basketball, NBA, I should say, Football, baseball, whatever sport you want to name. There is no greater rivalry than Duke UNC. Majority of that is because of the fans. We won't have that. Cameron Crazy is going wild. Even in the Dean Dome is such an electric atmosphere. You also couple that with the players. This year, we don't have either of those, to be honest with you. Duke and Carolina, not a lot of name brands on the floor. No fans, but still very much looking forward to it. The game is on Saturday, this upcoming Saturday. And for the first time, here's a little nugget for you. For the first time, both teams will be unranked uh, since 1960. It's not surprising this year that they're unranked after what the season, how the season's gone, but it's been a long, long fucking time. Shark, any thoughts on this rivalry or this game upcoming? I'll watch. I mean, what a bad loss for Duke against Miami. They had an opportunity to win three straight, get back into the win, you know, have an opportunity to make the tournament, 
have North Carolina come into Cameron Indoor on Saturday and they just lose to one of the worst teams in the ACC. That, if that doesn't tell you all everything you need to know about Duke this year and the mental toughness of their, their good players, then I don't know what else. They could easily turn around and win this game against Carolina. Carolina's actually been playing pretty well of late as well. I think they won three straight, um, and Duke can get themselves back into the conversation, but they really just did themselves a disservice by not getting it done against a bad Jim Laranaga. Hey, might, might be might – be, um, what's the guy that sings? Stop. At the end of the road, might be the no, end of the road. To boys to men, Larinaga, you might be hitting the end there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll watch it. It's always something you'll get Dickie V screaming and hollering, and uh, it'll be something to watch. That's got to be the first time that Jim Larinaga was compared to boys to men, probably ever in his <laughs> life, I, I, I assume. But, um, yeah, you know, the biggest thing I'm looking forward to is to see what kind of excuse crotchety ass Coach K gives after this game. Um, maybe they'll just throw in the towel for the rest of the season at that point, uh, because that seems to be about uh, what trend that he's going on right now. Uh, North Carolina, speaking of, is as we speak, losing by double digits to Clemson. Uh, so also not a good look. Um the one thing I think is interesting, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on this. So, you know, we talked a bit about it at the beginning of the program, and that's how bad the blue, how bad the blue bloods are this year. And, you know, so you're talking about literally what four of the top six or seven coaches in college basketball are having their worst year probably uh, ever. And so do you think that, um, this goes to show that these guys are better preparers in, you know, in, if you look at their coaching abilities, that they are maybe better at prepping than everybody else, rather than uh, their in-game or in-season decisions. Do you think it says anything about these coaches at all, or it just kind of everyone gets a pass? I think everyone gets a pass. I mean, you can't just take this one wild year and make assumptions on guys like is okay. Roy Williams. I mean, Roy Williams, this is, it's not necessarily a trend just yet, but this is the second straight year where Carolina hasn't been good. I mean, they sucked last year, but I'm not ready to make any sort of opinions, draw any conclusions based on this year uh, for hall of famers. Uh, I'd rather take the past five or six years for a guy like Bayheim and be like, Jim, go be with your family. Take it easy. Syracuse has sucked for the past like four or five years. But he's probably the only legendary coach that I'm ready to say, all right, skedaddle. Shark, well, you know, what do you think? Hold on. You know what that means? Bayheim sucked for like four or five years in a row, so that means they're going to make the Final Four this year. Not this year. Fuck no. Maybe <laughs> next year. I mean, that's what we said the last time when he sucked, and then they won like they won seven, <laughs> six games to get to the Final Four. They had an NBA player in Tyler Lydon, man. No, I mean, they, they got no one. They stick. Yeah. Um, so I actually – going to agree with Taylor on this point. And it's an idea I've been kind of cooking in my head of late where if you go and look at the top recruiting classes from last year and you pull, say the top 10, I mean, obviously that's going to include Duke. That's going to include North Carolina. That's going to include Kentucky. Um, it's going to have Arizona state in there. It's all teams that are just grossly underwhelming this year. So I think there is definitely a correlation between building your your or projecting your team's success based off of assumptions that these players are going to execute. And these, for the most part, these five-star players are really not that good as they come in without having a full time at the, at the school to practice get worked up playing against bad competition. Just, you know, not having that 
the full access that you normally would have at a uh, during a regular season. So there definitely is a correlation in my mind, and that's probably the explanation as to why these teams suck so much this year. I don't think it's right. like I don't think it's um, an indictment on the co- their coaching ability in general, which I guess I didn't mean to phrase it like that. But it's almost like these coaches have become too reliant on things that are out of their control like oh yeah it's like kind of like what you're saying shark i, I believe is that oh we're just going to bring in all this talent and as long as i got six weeks to a month with them or it's the players that are just not as or good they need right. more time so right. I, I mean I, I pulled it up right now so top three schools in recruiting kentucky had the number one recruiting class in 2020 carolina two duke three lsu four tennessee five i've been saying saying this all year regarding tennessee we have five stars they're like the worst five stars i've ever seen in my life like, how can these guys be the exact same rating as Cade Cunningham? I mean, what 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 do we get over here? I mean, they're they're good. They play. I'm Jaden Springer, Keon Johnson, Josiah Jordan James, dating back to last year. But there there's a severe drop off from what I'm used to seeing in terms of five stars. Well, so it, I'm I'm glad you brought that up though, Shark, because and Taylor can attest to this. Having been an Arizona fan for the past ten years or so, ever since we were obviously 2008, but they're consistently in that top five, top ten in recruiting. And it took about I don't know maybe four years ago where I just said I don't give a fuck about these recruiting classes. I don't care about the these five stars. It doesn't mean anything yeah. until it translates like X amount of games into like, stop telling me, Oh shit, we're to get excited about this five star. It doesn't mean anything until they put it together on the, you court. guys are number you guys are number seven this year at Arizona state eight, uh, Arkansas nine, and then Auburn 10. I mean, Sharif Cooper is really the only true freshman this year that stands out. And I'm like, wow, that guy and Cade Cunningham, those guys are just so much better than everyone else. The rest yeah. of these people that are putting everyone in the top 10, it's like, there's just another guy on the court. Well, so my, one of my arguments when Subi and I have this discussion is it's certainly more exciting to have a good recruiting class than a bad one or a highly ranked, right? There's certain, there's definitely something to that at least now, how much of a level you want to, how much credence you want to put in that. Sure. But it's, Definitely better to have a bunch of five stars or four stars than it is to have a bunch of two stars and three stars. Where you want to draw that line? Yeah, but, then of, the, uh, but the disappointment at the end of the year sucks so like sure. so much more than how pumped you get at the beginning of the year. Like right. when you get so pumped about DeAndre Ayton and then they lose to Buffalo uh, as a four seed, that disappointment stings way more than getting pumped about some guy on paper. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. But that and that kind of leads to this point, And that is that it's going to be an overarching issue in college basketball over the next two to four years, simply because of the lack of high school play that's going on in the country right now, the lack of AAU tournaments that are going on in the country right now. And think of all of these seniors, these one and done guys that were supposed to come in next year who maybe have not played a competitive basketball game in 12 months or longer by that point. Uh, you got a lot of states like Washington, for example, that uh, they have to travel just to practice or play in any event, AAU, high school, whatever. So I think we're going to see a real shift. I mean, this is kind of an obvious point to make, but we're going to see a real shift in how recruiting is done over the next year to three because it's going to be an even bigger risk than normal to bring in one of those star one and done type guys, because you just don't have the same amount of tape on them. You just don't have the same amount of, uh, you know, games that you've seen them play in person. And you just don't really have a good sense unless your name's like, unless you're a Monty Bates or something like that, you know, there's going to be so many guys that are, are so big of question marks that you almost might as well just take the project guys 
that you could maybe more easily get to come to your school who are going to be there for two or three years, because you're going to put, if you put too much credence into these guys or too much stock into these guys who haven't played for a year, they're probably a recipe for a disaster and ending up having another year. Like we're seeing from some of those blue bloods this year. All right, let's get to some quick hitters here, gentlemen. Uh, a little rapid fire, run the hurry up offense. I posed a question last week, a poll. How do you fill out your bracket? Do you do it online? Do you fill it out pen and paper? Or do you both? Uh, and I was texting the guys. I was, ta- I was talking to the shark, and he was appalled, disturbed even, to find out that I didn't fill it out pen and paper style. Shark, what's your go-to? Pen and paper every single time. And the, I mean, obviously, in order to join pools, you got to punch it in digitally. That'll be the first time I punch it in digitally is when I submit it that way. But I'm getting Sunday night as soon as it comes out. Uh, I don't have a printer, so I'm sending. I'm going to a Kinko's. I'm going to a FedEx. I'm going to a UPS store. I'm chatting up the lady behind there. I'm saying, hey, can I email this to you? Can you print it out for me? Are you going to charge me a dollar for that? Come on. It's a bracket. You know, it's just fun doing that every single year. One year, a couple of years ago, I was in New Orleans for work walked like a mile just to get to the one place to get it. So I'll go that far just to get the, the printed out brackets to get it done that way. Yeah. See, that's my thing. I don't ask me, don't ask me anyone of our age to print something, fax something, anything with paper. Like I can't do it. I'm not going to do that. Uh, even I think the, the front desk is installing a printer down here in my complex. I don't know if I'll even have it in me to go three stories down. So I'm always an online guy. Taylor, what about you? So I am using my printer that's sitting next to me right now that's not plugged in as a beer holder pretty much while we do this. So that shows you how much I use my printer. But that being said, I have filled out pen and paper brackets probably 60% of the time. Um, I think one year in Tucson, we did a, I think we drew out the bracket actually on a because uh, when Subi and I lived together one of the years in Tucson we kind of had a, the party house with like three TVs up on the wall and shit like that so we had everyone over for the games every game and so we had I think we had drawn drawn out the entire bracket uh, on a poster board now that's a little extreme but I have done the pen and paper bracket uh, I don't think it's helped me at all because I think as Subi and I have said many times before, pretty much the only time we're ever winning a bracket challenge is when Arizona wins the national championship because we're going to be out whenever Arizona loses. Yeah. That is true, though. Subi, I'll tell you, I mean, you go back to you know, when me and you were running around in middle school, I used to, I used to run the bracket in the middle school and I'd have to collect the paper one from every single person that wanted to be a part of it. Big folder, have the highlighter out, red pen to cross out losers. I would grade every single one. I'd stay up late to do it. It's a, it's a nostalgia thing. But at the same time, it's a good, efficient way to maintain accountability of people in your bracket. You don't have any random people showing up, but you got to have a face-to-face encounter. You're coming, you want in, I got to come look at you. You got to pay up whatever it's going to be provided to me. And I put it in the manila folder. Well, the shark was a young Nucky Thompson. I mean, if you want to talk whatever the, his boardwalk empire was, it was Blanchard Middle School in Westford, Massachusetts. That's what it was. He was the young Enoch Thompson. Shark, I've been very hard on you this episode. So let me give you a compliment, if I may. Every group needs a shark. For multiple different reasons, but needs that guy, the pool, he, you're the pool guy. Every group needs the pool yep. guy. Because you know if what? You I, if you don't have that guy in your group, then it always divulge or, you know, it, it falls apart to, ah, oh, shit, we should have put the bracket get- challenge together. And it's like literally Wednesday night at 11 p.m. And you're like, hey, should we do a bracket challenge this year? If you don't have the pool guy in your group, then you're never together as a group. And, and you're the guy who puts it all together. I agree. I hope my guys are listening. So they're more grateful for me in the future. 
Oh, I'll, I'll give a hat tip to the shark. He has been doing this since like 2003. So uh, the only uh, the only downside of that is now we're completely relying on you probably until our 50s, 60s. Uh, so that is the cross that you will have to bear, Shark. Um, all right, let's move on now to another quick hitter. EA Sports College Football is back. I made a point to say college football because that's, I guess, what they're titling it when it comes out in two to three years. Uh, you want to talk nostalgia. How about some nostalgia with NCAA hoops? I hope they bring that back. Bring that back next. I remember Shark, you and I used to play uh, in your basement. NCAA hoops, these little really quick mini games, three minute quarters or whatever it was, and then you run through the entire bracket. That was a lot of fun. Uh, yep. to, to to apply a Rush Limbaugh quote, I think he said uh, one one time years back. He's like, please please Jesus. I see what you've done for others. And I want that for me. I see them bring back NCAA football or college football. I want them to bring back college basketball. It might get me back into gaming. Uh, I will also say real quick before I get your thoughts, best NCAA basketball player, Andy Routens on Syracuse. That guy did not fucking miss. What a Rush Limbaugh quote there. Uh, I'm not sure where you dug that, <laughs> dug that one up. Uh, yeah. I mean, Setting up those tournaments on NCAA basketball where you do the three minute, you, you do, you set up a whole tournament, you get four to six guys. Each person's responsible for a team. You draft your teams and you play a three minute game and then hopefully you advance and you stay true to that team through the whole tournament. That's honestly the most fun I've ever had. If you gave me a ticket to the waste management open versus to someone's basement and to do one of those tournaments, I'm taking the basement every single time. So that's how much I love NCAA basketball. This is a great sign for people everywhere that want to get back into that, into, into that game. And I mean, if you're playing by yourself, you just build a program, you know, you build your program and you get, you build it from the ground up, you know? So well, our freshman year, we played a lot of NCAA hoops. I think Arizona had black uniforms for some reason. Did those ever debut in real life? I don't know why I have that memory in my head. No, they, they did. I, I, it was supposed to be like some random Jersey that Nike was maybe going to put out and it, it, it never did. Uh, my biggest pet peeve in life is black and navy blue together. So I'm glad that Arizona doesn't have a black Jersey. So, and I hope that always stays the gray jerseys we've had are great, but no black jerseys, please, for me. Um, I'm not going to completely agree with Shark's point about uh, playing in these games over going to the Waste Management Phoenix Open, but I will tell you it's pretty fucking close because our group used to do, like, we all had a Madden franchise that we could run, and we would do, like, literally the entire, everyone plays all the, it was months long. It almost took longer than an actual NFL real season because we all had to be there when the games were played and shit. So, Subi, you said something that actually I completely agree with. I haven't had any type of game council or console, excuse me, of any top any type since like probably when you and I were playing college basketball freshman year two thousand eight. Madden coming back with a better franchise mode, NCAA football coming back, and maybe hopefully a re a reboot of the college basketball franchise has really got me. Uh, I'm these PS5s that everybody's been talking about that the kids are talking about now. So, yeah, right there with Sharks, the video Sharks, the video game guy. I keep trying to tell him to grow up, Peter Pan, but he might have been right this whole time. I just played Madden. It's really just Madden and, you know, maybe Call of Duty every once in a while, but I'm not going to get into the mud on that. Madden, I I just had a deal Matt Stafford in my franchise last night. I can't go forward with that. So I'm I'm rolling with uh, Sam Ellinger and Marcus Mariota at this point. We'll see how the team takes to it. I am so much bigger of uh, like the actual franchise part of the game than I am playing the game. Like I love playing the games. Don't get me oh, wrong. Yeah. I don't but, do online. I don't do online. No. I just play my own. Yeah. The amount of 
wasted time. You ever heard this song? Uh, um, the more the new guy Morgan Wallen wasted on you yeah. all of this time and all is wasted on you. That's pretty much me with Madden. So can you splice that in right there? That's wasted pretty- on you. I've wasted on you. It's pretty good. Actually, it's a, almost like a brand new song, too. So that's pretty topical. Yeah, I right? love it. I love that song. Soup splice yeah. it here and then again at the end of the episode. I want to hear it twice. Thank you. You know, here, I, of all the games of the sports I'll games, I, I was never, even though we're all basketball people, I was never a 2K person, really. I mean, that was like the fourth game back of like, I. I uh, it's because it's a different gameplay from the NCAA. So it's like your whole OODA loop, your loops all thrown off. You know, it's a, playing so in what? a different part of the. Yeah. I think maybe the best part, and Shark, I'm sure you agree with me on this. The best part about having college football and Madden the same year is when you could import the draft class from. Oh, you can do that now. So, yeah, I mean, you can kind of just. Well, I know, but now, that freaks was like, on the internet that just upload. Yeah, right. Create players and upload that's, it. In, yeah. That's too much. But when you could, because yeah. you could really build your recruiting pipeline. Oh, oh yeah. God. Uh, oh man, you're right. Fuck Waste it on okay. you. Actually, okay. Fuck the Phoenix Open. Fly out here, the Shark. We'll put it. <laughs> we'll put a franchise together. All right. Good. It took, it took an entire episode where we got Taylor on board. One last thing I do want to sneak in about this topic, Shark, is this is actually in those little basement games that we played. This is kind of where our love for Oliver Purnell, former Clemson coach, was born. We just saw him roaming the sidelines in NCAA uh, basketball, and we we're like, huh, this guy. What do you what do you think Oliver Pinell is saying right now to Terrence Oglesby as he comes off the screen and misses a big three? That's where we were in our college basketball fandom, and that's where we are today. A couple other really quick notes before we get to our gambling segment. One, I'd be remiss if I didn't highlight real quick West Virginia's schedule upcoming. I think they got Iowa State, who is god-awful. But after that, they play Kansas, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, Baylor twice, and Texas, an absolute fucking gauntlet for the Mountaineers and could very well determine seeding where they're ranked. They could be a top five team after this. They could potentially be unranked after this or 20 through 25. So gauntlet coming up uh, for the Mountaineers. And then another little quick nugget that I was looking at in looking at the the top 10, I would say seven out of the top 10 uh, in the college basketball world right now are pretty much football schools. You look at Baylor, you look at Michigan, Texas, Ohio State, Iowa, Oklahoma, Bama. Those seven teams are in the top 10, and they are traditionally football schools. There are some that you know you could share. You could say a team like Michigan has uh, had more recent success clearly in basketball than they have in football, but just very interesting to see. All right, let's go ahead and get to Please, Sir, I Want Some More. Please, sir, I want some more. What? 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 Some more? Let's do a quick recap now. Uh, the shark after last week is eleven and seven. Taylor nine and nine. Shark, I believe that's how you wanted me to present this data. Is that correct? Well, no, because you're including my losses on Saturday with that weekday games. I want you to specify weekday games. That's what I'm picking at this point. All right, I have, 
I have two losses on my record where I was projecting out without even seeing a line. It was a reckless pick. I don't know why I did it, but Nobody I did. Nobody made I gotta, you do that. <laughs> I know. I'm I'm doing a mea culpa right now. I'm telling you that I made a mistake by doing that. I was pr- pushed in a corner. I ended up projecting out. I lost both. I should be 11 and five if we remove those, but we're not going to remove those. It's not right. It's not the right thing to do. I'm 11 and five. By the way, I also threw two random ones on Saturday this past Saturday for the people that went on Purdue and Tennessee. So I guess that cancels out the two that I lost on Saturday beforehand. So whatever. Uh, yeah, do your thing. Do you, want me to, do, you want me, do you want me to list every single bet that I've made every single weeknight for the last week now, or what? No, I think the relevant ones that we have the segment on are good. So all, bring up. Yeah. Okay, so only the ones that you win are the relevant. Well, the ones, ones. Yeah, the ones I tweet out. Yeah, I tweeted out. I tweeted these out on Saturday. <laughs> so let's do a quick recap though of last week. Taylor, you had Utah State minus six against UNLV. That hit Ohio State minus seven against Penn State. Did not hit Penn State. Played them very tough. Drake minus three against Missouri State. That did hit. Drake still undefeated and now in the top 25 at 25, I believe. Shark, you had Providence minus one against Marquette. That hit. Seton Hall plus two against Creighton. Did not hit. Uh, you can, uh, <laughs> That might have been on longtime listener Jimmy McGinnis. That was brutal. Uh, I mean, they're coasting. I turned the game off. I started watching whatever – Yellowstone or something. And then this guy's one of my guys are tweeting about the victory. There's eight minutes left in the game. Seton Hall scored like four points in the rest of the game. We we choked. So it's a lesson learned. It's January. Uh, it's fine for that to happen. But yeah, that was the only reason we didn't have a clean sweep last week. What was my last one? You, you didn't get finished reading off my winners. Last, last but not least, Wisconsin minus three against Maryland. Taylor, I'm going to continue throwing you the ball first. I think one more week next week, I'll give it to you first, and then we're back on the alternating schedule. So, Taylor, give us your picks. See, all I just needed was one time to go first. I, you know, we don't have to do it multiple times in a row, but since you've picked me first, uh, I will uh, gladly go ahead. And uh, we talked about him multiple times on the program, and that's Cade Cunningham. My first pick is going to be Oklahoma State by five over TCU. TCU is just not a good ball club. There's really no, there's really no other way to put it than that. Um, Oklahoma State, maybe a little under the radar. Um, I, I know they kind of come or they go as Cade Cunningham goes. Fortunately, he's the best freshman in the country and one of the best players in the country. So uh, that works out quite well for them. Uh, TCU has lost five in a row, I believe, um, and, and some of them not very close. They lost by 36 to Oklahoma a week before last. Just lost to Mizzou the other day. Oklahoma State has a number of good wins recently. Um, over Kansas and over Arkansas. Uh, they did lose to Baylor last week, but a uh, week and a half ago, but they're the second best team in the country. So uh, I think this line is a pretty attractive one. Oklahoma State minus five. The second one I'm going with, I'm actually going against, well, not going against, but going against the spread of one of my uh, teams I've been riding with this year, and that's Alabama. So I'm picking LSU plus eight and a half. Um, if you've watched an LSU game trying to cover one way or another this year, they are absolutely terrible in end game situations, uh, including a loss just this last week to Texas Tech. Um, and I think was that the game was I think it was Texas Tech where I, they they gave the ball away essentially like four times down the stretch, which is something they've done a number of times this year. That being said, Eight and a half is a lot of points. And we, like we talked about earlier in the program, we're not exactly sure how good Bama is right now. And uh, LSU has a really good offense. Alabama does as well, but LSU's offense is even better. I think they score enough points to keep it within eight and a half, even though I think Alabama will win that game. And then third and final is Vatek. 
minus two and a half over the Pitt Panthers. Virginia Tech went through one of the worst scoring droughts I've ever seen for a college basketball team the other day. Actually, it was on one of Scott Van Pelt's uh, bad beats. They didn't score a single point in the last eight and a half minutes of the game. Uh, their last game they played against, uh, who was it against they played or did they play? Uh, I think it was, Virginia. I don't know. I just yeah, know they, I they, no, they was, beat the hell out of Virginia, didn't they? No, it they, wasn't. Virginia. They, yeah. What, yeah. They kicked Virginia's ass. Regardless. regardless yeah. Regardless. Uh, Virginia tech two and a half pits, not very good either. Uh, Virginia tech plays. They're not great on offense, but they are very good defensively, uh, ranking in the top 50 in a lot of, uh, pertinent categories to good defense. So Virginia tech by two and a half over pit. I like Virginia tech shark. Give us your picks, baby. We got some overlap. Two games are overlapping. And I just realized I'm only picking two tonight because the third game that I had, I just found out in the middle of the show was wiped out because of COVID. So hold I'll on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. All the times you went first, we had overlap and I had to pick new fucking games that so you got to never told I never told you to pick new games. Uh, it wasn't specified by me. We also, yeah. Oh, great. So the listeners are going to listen for six picks and get five, four. Yeah. Well, I'll give them another one later on, but I'll, I'll tell you right now, I'm on the same. Like I'm with to, you. Trying to hit a moving target, trying to please the. the I never the told you here. to pick on the fly if I pick the same game as you. I never told you to do that. that all right, we better, all right, we better win these overlap games if we're both confident. Well, there's only one. I'm against you on the other. Uh, one. I'm okay, with you okay. on. I'm with you on LSU. I'm with you on LSU getting eight and a half. The reason for that, last time Alabama steamrolled rolled them, uh, the game was played in Tuscaloosa. Alabama, get this stat, too. Are you sitting down? You're actually standing up. Why, why standing, are you standing up? Oh, yeah. Sit, well, make sure you're sitting More down. More 30 yeah. years old. In that last game, Alabama went 23 of 43 from three. That is just insane shooting the th- shooting the three ball at a college level. Twenty three of forty three. Yes, and they won by twenty five points, but LSU also went like three of nineteen. So I think it's going to even out a little bit. LSU's got a lot of talent. Last year they played two games; they were both relatively close within ten. I think LSU they need to win too. They choked badly against Texas Tech. This is a big game for Will Wade because uh, LSU is going to be one of those bubble teams if they don't start getting some wins, especially in a nice uh, win. Resume win at this point in the year. I am on Pitt against uh, Virginia Tech for my other game. Um, the reason I'm on Pitt is because Virginia Tech, yes, they're good in the ACC. I think they're seven and two. They're the number two team in the ACC at this point, but most of their wins are either at home and their only good road wins or their only ACC road wins are against the poop of the ACC. They've beaten Notre Dame on the road in a close game and they beat. Uh, I believe the other one was Wake Forest. Two very lousy teams. Those are their only road wins. Outside of that, they've been a pretty lousy road team. Pitt, on the other hand, has lost three straight. They're eight and five. They had a good win against Duke a couple of weeks ago. They're on the bubble. They have the ACC Player of the Year, most likely, and Justin Champagne, I like to say. Um, they have to win this game. This is a resume win for them. This is a huge game. It's a close spread. Why Why is Virginia Tech, who is a top 20 team in the country, facing a five-loss pit team, only favored by two and a half? Woo-woo-woo. What's going on right there? I'm not wondering what's going on with that line. I'm siding with Pitt. Taylor, I did see a plus three on one of the sites, so I would like taking the three if I can get that. Uh, right, granted. Yeah. Yes. All right, that's fine. And then again, my other pick was going to be, I was going to take Texas A&M minus two and a half over Vanderbilt and the only I, normally I, I 
try to dive into the weeds on why I do this. The only reason I was going to do that one was just because Buzz Williams is in a million times better coach than Jerry Stackhouse. Um, but that game got canceled for COVID in the middle of the show. So I promise you listeners, I'll get you one. So do you want me to get it on a weekday or do you want me to get it on Saturday or can I use it whenever? I'd like you to try and get something for Wednesday night for tonight so that I can tweet it oh, out. to, to I, the I can't. I, that's, I cannot. I, I cannot do that. <laughs> All right. Well, Hold on. Let me, interrupt. Let me interrupt for a second. I have to call myself out here. I'm glad you uh, just said the, the game and the name that you just said. I was so fixated on Buzz, Buzz Williams taking his shirt off, not only his vest, his shirt, and all the way down to his T-shirt. Then I, when I was talking about Virginia Tech not scoring for nine minutes, it was Texas yeah. A&M not scoring for nine minutes the other night. So that's my bad. Good. I, that makes more sense because Virginia Tech had that huge win against Virginia. I was, I was yeah, just going to correct. correct. Yeah. Yeah. Considering I was on pit, I wanted. I was like, "Yeah, this guy doesn't know what the hell he's talking about." I'm glad I'm on the pit side. Who's this quack <laughs> over here? Um, so I was feeling good. But Subi, I can't get you one on Wednesday night. You know, it's the old line. I go back to one time. I was at a very great restaurant in DC. Beautiful restaurant, Smollier, the works. The guy comes to our table. He says, "I got this great wine for you. Thank you for picking out this wine." He comes and he serves it to me. He uncorks it. He smells the bottle right in front of me, and he goes, "I cannot serve this wine." It, Apparently it went bad while it was sitting in the cellar or something, but I think it was all for show. I cannot give you another Wednesday pick while I'm sitting in this spot. Uh, right. I'll give you Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. Give me Thursday, oh. Friday, or Saturday, and also you're not a Clydesdale. I can appreciate that. No, Thank I'm going gonna, gonna to step in here because I was prepared and had an alternate game pulled up just in case I got called on second and we needed more picks. My fourth pick was going to be Louisville plus two at Syracuse. So – Shark, I'll even let you have that one if that hits. How's that? I don't want that. If I looked at that game, if anything, I was thinking Syracuse minus one. Well, there you go. (laughs) All right, great. I don't want to have it on record right now. I'd rather rather be in the film room. Got him. We got him. We got him. So I'm I'm being begrudgingly forced to take out Syracuse minus one. I'll make an executive decision after the show. Let's go ahead and finish it up now with a couple quick segments. First of all, where am I? Where am I? Where am I this week is former Ohio State big man, Dallas Lauderdale, the Fort, Fort Lauderdale. What is Dallas Lauderdale up to these days? Well, he started a basketball camp called Direction Up Basketball Camp. Founded in 2015, Direction Up is dedicated to transforming the lives of of youth one bounce at a time. Our mission is to encourage, empower, and motivate youth from all walks of life to aim higher in every aspect of life, so on and so forth. Dallas Lauderdale a key big man, not the greatest hairline. I got, if, that's one thing I do remember from him in college, but a key big man for those Ohio state teams. Uh, it's good to see he's, he's giving back to the youth. He had a brief stint in the G league, I think with the main red clause uh, prior to, I think finally hanging him up. But yeah, that's what Dallas Lauderdale is up to these days. Two quick points on that. First being that the age of that undersized big man that has no offensive skills and is only out there to box out and be a tough guy, that's pretty much gone. I can't think of anyone that gets legitimate minutes. I mean, you go back to Dow, uh, Joey uh, Dorsey, Dallas Lauderdale, that used to be a critical role in college basketball, no longer exists. My other point I wanted to make, uh, how many times, if ever, do you think he's taken a flight from Dallas to Fort Lauderdale? And it's literally his name. That's a good Not question. Quite. Not bad. Uh, I also want to just real quick say shoehorn Jack Salt, my my guy. He was probably the very last of that yeah. dying breed. I was going to say, what about uh, Karnowski there for uh, Gonzaga? Oh, he's skilled. He was skilled. Shevick had a few yeah. little tricks of his of his. I'm talking like Dallas Lauderdale could not 
make a layup. Yeah. Probably shot 30% from the free throw line too. And before you or any theater goer even thinks about it, do not even let Matt Stainbrook enter your head or leave your mouth. All right. Matt Stainbrook also very skilled, but yeah, that's what Dallas Lauderdale is up to these days. Let's go ahead and finish it off now with some hugs. Taylor, I'll kick it off to you. So I'm going to actually give a hug to uh, the Sharks boys. They're the 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 Houston Cougars, excuse me. Uh, they were the only team this last week in a week that we talked about losses outside of the between five and 15 that didn't lose. So I'm going to give Shark. I started off the show being really hard on the guy. You know, it was really fired up. And I'm going to end the show with a couple compliments for the guy. Houston, after a huge win, hu- huge win by score over SMU, looking like a probably the most underrated team in the country right now. I would say ranked six and nobody says shit about them. So uh, my hug is for them for being one of those teams that when we can't figure out any team between five and 15, Houston actually came through and won. So hug for them. Shark, any hugs tonight? Um, no, didn't have a hug. That's fine. Ill-prepared. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and finish it up now with my hug. It's for John Chaney. Could have pulled that one out of your ass there, Shark. But John Chaney, rest in peace. Uh, a college basketball legend, a titan in a basketball craze city in Philadelphia. We've lost way too many good ones, especially in the college co- basketball coaching ranks. You think back to last year, Lou Olson. You think about John Thompson. And now John Chaney uh, really put Temple on the map, right? It's tough to it's tough in Philadelphia college basketball wise. You got Nova, you got St. Joe's, you got even Drexel when they were good. Um, you know, there's a lot of teams that Penn. There's a lot of teams to be competing with, and when you're a small school like Temple in North Philadelphia, John or John Chaney did a wonderful job, and I think we all remember him uh, for his altercation, verbal altercation with John Calipari. Those two. You know, uh, that shouldn't be a misconception. Those two became great friends, uh, and I think they they were up until his passing. So rest in peace, John Chaney. Uh, Sean Miller gave a great story about John Chaney earlier this week, um, talking about how he it was di- pissed off at the refs one game uh, back when Sean Miller is first year at Xavier and John Chaney was pissed at the refs. And so he individually went up to all the refs on the floor and told them that they hadn't been doing their jobs and they're about to do their jobs for the next two hours. And this was only with 12 minutes in the game left. Temple proceeded to foul on every single possession for the rest of the game. And I just, I thought that I just thought that they were down, but they lost by like 35 or whatever. Temple came back and beat Xavier two weeks later in the, uh, in the a 10 tournament that year. So I thought that was a great story about how he, you know, the, I guess the toughness or the perseverance or just kind of the, you know, as a college basketball coach, you have to be a very stubborn individual. And uh, this was a good example of, of being stubborn, I guess, is uh, is that teaching moment for both the refs and uh, and his players. Always some great stories when it comes to these legendary coaches. All right. We want to thank you guys again for taking the time to listen. We'll catch you next time here on Theater in College Hoops. Mm-hmm.